From Georgia Public Broadcasting, this is On Second Thought. I'm Virginia Prescott. Residents of some Georgia neighborhoods are just learning that they live in places where cancer risk is elevated because of exposure to airborne toxins. In August of 2018, the Environmental Protection Agency published a report showing 109 census tracts with high concentrations of ethylene oxide. Two years before that, the agency placed that chemical on a list of those that definitely cause cancer. While the EPA report was not well publicized, Andy Miller of Georgia Health News and Brenda Goodman of WebMD have been investigating the findings, including sources of ethylene oxide in effective parts of Smyrna and Covington and incidents of cancer in those areas. Andy Miller is with us. He's CEO and editor of Georgia Health News. Thank you for being here, Andy. Good to be here, Virginia. So what is ethylene oxide used for? It's a gas that is uh, essentially used for uh, sterilizing medical equipment. It, uh, for all the medical equipment that needs sterilization, uh, ethylene oxide is used for about half of that equipment. Uh, and uh, it's designed to kill fungi and bacteria on things like catheters. So what makes it so dangerous for humans? Well, it can, uh, it can scramble DNA, and uh, if that happens, it can cause uh, errors in DNA can cause cells to grow uh, uncontrollably, which could lead to cancer. The EPA began studying ethylene oxide in 2006. A decade later, updated its key risk number, finding that it was 30 times more likely to cause certain cancers than once believed. So then in 2018, the EPA listed 109 census tracts that have high concentrations of this, including three in Georgia. Where? Uh, one is in Covington, which is east of Atlanta, and two are in the Smyrna area. So what are the sources of ethylene oxide in those areas? There are two separate plants, one in Smyrna, Sterogenics, and one in Covington, BD Bard, that uh, uh, release thousands of pounds of this chemical to the air over the course of a year. Is that the only way, or is, there, is it in traffic or any other natural or any other environmental causes? It can be uh, in traffic, and uh, but uh, in, we'll talk in a minute about what happened in Illinois. It, it, this is a prime source of the uh, this sterilization process is a prime source of uh, ethylene oxide yeah. in, in the atmosphere. Let's put a pin in that because Sterogenics also has a plant in Willowbrook, Illinois. But in addition to EPA studies, Georgia's Environmental Protection Division, or EPD, has done some modeling to examine risks from the toxins. So what kind of concentrations have been found in the air? Well, they found that uh, in this, they, they have a standard called the acceptable uh, concentration, air concentration. And in the Smyrna area, they found uh, that it's 27 to 61 times higher than that acceptable threshold. In Covington, they found that ethylene oxide was 17 to 97 times that AAC threshold level. So, what did those? What does that indicator mean? 14, uh, you know, 97 times. You're 97 more times likely to get cancer. Well, put it put in another way. The EPA uh, did some other numbers in, in their report in 2018, and the EPA considers it unacceptable when a chemical causes. A hundred extra cases of cancer for uh, over, uh, for pe- a million people exposed over their lifetime, in both the Smyrna area and the Covington area had higher levels than that hundred. In Smyrna, it was 114 extra cases of cancer per million people. 
In Covington, it was 214. So where did the EPD get the data uh, to assemble its map? They got it from uh, admissions self-reported by the companies. And one thing we found was in recent years that the company lowered or reduced what it reported originally. Uh, the companies say, look, we didn't take into uh, factor in the fact that, you know, we have new equipment, etc. So the state basically is using the data provided by the companies to do their modeling. All right. Well, we should distinguish here that the EPA and the EPD assessment of levels of concentration in the air predict the effects of exposure to a toxin. It's not a measurement of chemicals actually in the air. Well, that's what, yes, it's a, it's a measurement of risk. And they didn't go out and count individual cancers as well. But this is, they take what the companies give and uh, through their science, they have this risk value, and they compute what they believe is the estimated risk for people in those neighborhoods. However, you did. You asked the Georgia Department of Public Health to look up cancer rates in these affected zip codes near plants in mm -hmm. Smyrna and Covington. Mm -hmm. Are incidences of cancers higher in those zip codes, respectively? Well, in the Smyrna area, we found it's basically the cancer rates were basically the state average, although breast cancer was a little bit higher there, but it was not considered statistically significant. Mm -hmm. In Covington, it was a totally different story. What? We found that the rates of cancer, overall rates of cancer in that zip code were much higher than the state average, and it was, just, it was considered statistically significant. Uh, Non-Hodgkin lymphoma is, is something that's linked to ethylene oxide, and the rates there have, rates in that zip code in Covington have been increasing year to year. Yeah. Uh, and that's significant. This is a major change uh, from what the state average is. Uh, breast cancer, uh, we, we found that there was a period of time, 2010 to 2014, where the breast cancer rates were much higher in that Covington zip code. We are learning about neighborhoods in the Atlanta metro area where the EPA has flagged high concentrations of an airborne toxin called ethylene oxide. My guest is Andy Miller. He's editor of Georgia Health News, which along with Web e WebMD has been investigating the data in that report and the response of residents and state officials, which I'd like to hear more about. Karen Hayes, she's the head of Georgia EPD, said it's too early to test the air. There are no plans. You asked if there are plans to tell people in the area listed on the EPA report about pollution, um, what was her response? She basically said, yeah, uh, that they are still studying it. They had no plans to uh, let people know. And interestingly, when it, last year when EPA came out with these 109 census tracts, they didn't do a press release either. So not a well-publicized report. There was a lot of silence around this, this whole issue. Yeah. Well, um, she, uh, Karen Hayes has asked one EPD department to study the maps of uh, the concentrations and report back on August the 1st. But there was a very different response in at least one other place on the list. This was Willowbrook, Illinois, an affluent suburb we might know. What happened there? Well, it, it, interestingly, Brenda and I found that... Uh, EPA has a regional office in Willowbrook, and so uh, before even this 2018 report came out, those folks really wanted to know, really wanted to measure what was in the air. So they set up locations around the plant where they tested the air and see how much of a concentration that ethylene oxide was in, in that surrounding area. 
And they asked the ATSDR, which is a part of CDC, to also do a report on that. And so what happened was uh, that CDC report and the EPA report came out on consecutive days. The community was alerted. They got very energized, and they formed a nonprofit group, and they they essentially got lawmakers involved, and uh, eventually state regulators uh, ordered the plant to shut down. Which ultimately did not happen. Uh, they sued Sterigenics in state court, but I think it was just a week ago, the state and company officials announced it will be cleared to resume operations. And, and we did speak recently with Professor Dana Boyd-Barr from Emory University School of Public Health about the difficulty of proving that cancers are caused by environmental factors in a particular area. Is there enough information here, Andy, based on the modeling to take action against BARD or sterogenics for emissions? Well, that's a good question. Uh, certainly in, uh, in Illinois, something happened. Now, they, they backed off of that. But interestingly, in Illinois, when the plant closed, the levels of ethylene oxide in the surrounding area went way down. Hmm. Uh, but it's up to EPA, and EPA is at the request of the American Chemistry Council, or Chemical Council, is actually thinking about changing their science and what they did two years ago and kind of soften it about this whole issue. Uh, and, and EPD, so, you know, so far has, has not done a whole lot about it. And, uh, and, but CDC is still looking at this issue, and it will be, I think, up to the communities and all those different agencies to figure out where do we go from here. Well, you did speak with, you and your colleagues spoke with several residents of the impact zone and surrounding areas, including people diagnosed with cancer, survivors of cancer, those who lost people from cancer. What did you hear from them? They were surprised uh, when we came to them. Everybody who we talked to was surprised. I think that it, it, it's obviously hard. It's, under our current science, we can't really tell what causes cancer, in, in, in generally speaking. But uh, there was one resident who was 80 years old uh, in Covington who, uh, when we told her, she said, I, she said she really wasn't surprised in a way because she pointed to all the houses in her neighborhood and she said this person died of cancer this person died of cancer and she went around the the whole surrounding area i i think that uh there were people obviously who were kind of shocked about what what we said to them in terms of what this chemical is doing and its presence in the community but there were others that were you know wondering i think in the back of their minds all this time about you know what's causing all this mm -hmm. Well, uh, under the Trump administration, the EPA has rolled back, uh, the federal government has loosened regulatory compliance standards for air pollutants. You were referring to that earlier, the idea that they're not taking the same kind of action. But has the federal government made any demands in response to this report? Uh, not so far. Uh, uh, and we know that the EPA is a different EPA under this administration. I mean, just recently they... Uh, they kind of removed or loosened a ban on a particular pesticide, chlorpyrifos, which is uh, uh, linked to children's cancer. So it, it's a different agency. We'll have to see how they respond to the request from the industry 
to kind of back off their findings about how dangerous this chemical is. Well, thank you for your reporting on that story. Uh, Georgia Health News also has been reporting on the work of the consulting group Deloitte, commissioned by the state to help craft Governor Kemp's Medicaid waiver plan. Last week, Deloitte re- released a report revealing just how much of a challenge that plan is going to be. We're going to invite Ashley Owen-Smith to join the conversation from Georgia State University, where she's a behavioral scientist at the School of Public Health. Ashley, thank you for being here. Thank you for having me. Okay, so we have just a minute, but we're going to take a break and come back to this. Deloitte's 66-page collection of statistics ranking shows where the state is in terms of health care coverage. Greeted with some shock, how many uninsured residents are there in Georgia? About 1.5 million, Actually. which is percentage-wise about 15 percent, uh, 15, 16 percent uh, of the state. Um, and I think, you know, as you mentioned, one of the shockers is that about 60 percent of the uninsured are employed. Unemployed are employed, and it's up are employed. Yes. 30 percent, rather, in in some rural counties of Georgia. That's right. So, and the, the other finding here is that. Rural counties hardest hit already, you know, many of them. The report includes higher than national numbers of rural hospitals closing and predictions of more. What does this mean for rural Georgia? Yeah, that's right. So, you know, we're ranked third in the nation for the number of rural hospital closures. Um, so we're, we're near the bottom on those rankings. And, you know, rural hospitals are particularly impacted when there are high uninsurance rates because there are greater numbers of people who can't pay for care. Uh, so, you know, one of the issues is that without health insurance, individuals don't receive preventative care, for example, and thus wait until they are so sick that they end up receiving care at hospitals rather than in a primary care setting. So the rural hospitals really are particularly impacted by high uninsurance rates. Ashley Owens-Smith, stick around with us. And Andy Miller, please stay with us. We're going to get back to this just after a quick break. You're listening to On Second Thought from Georgia Public Broadcasting. I'm Virginia Prescott. We will be back in just a moment. We're going to also hear about the PSC's new solar initiatives. Vote every three years on how to renegotiate the plan with Georgia Power. Well, it looks like this time there's going to be plenty of solar energy in the plan. Stay with us for more of On Second Thought. You're back with On Second Thought from GPB. I'm Virginia Prescott, picking up our conversation about the Georgia Waiver Project report that came out late last week. This is Deloitte Consulting Company working um, on a state-commissioned report about the state of health care in Georgia. This was part of Governor Kemp's plan to craft a Medicaid waiver program. Ashley Owen-Smith is with us. She's a behavioral scientist and associate professor at Georgia State University School of Public Health. Andy Miller stuck around with us. He's CEO and editor of Georgia Health News. So we're seeing from the report, and Ashley, you alluded to this, disproportionately high numbers for low-income residents and people of color. What kind of numbers are we seeing there? Well, I mean, one of the issues um, is that, as you mentioned, racial and ethnic minorities are really disproportionately affected, and we rank at the bottom, 46 in the country, for clinical care measures um, where racial and ethnic minorities are particularly impacted. So, for example, Atlanta has one of the widest gaps in breast cancer mortality between African-American women and white women. Atlanta actually has the highest death rate for black men with prostate cancer, um, and there are consistently large gaps um, in mortality between African Americans and whites um, across a range of diseases, HIV, stroke, diabetes. Um, so this is not a, a, a situation where all individuals in the state are impacted equally. Yeah. So you also mentioned that so many of the people are uh, 
16 plus population are uninsured but are employed. Andy, is this something that's come up? You know, the responsibility or obligations of employers. We're talking about, you know, public sector study, but how about the private sector? Is there any plan to draft them into part of this care program? Well, one of the waivers is uh, going to target individual insurance so uh, and family insurance. So maybe uh, some of the people will be picked up through that. But uh, we have a lot of low-wage workers here in, uh, in Georgia, minimum wage. And, uh, you know, it, and some employers uh, make a employee wait for like a six-month period before they offer insurance. Maybe it's a year. So there's... There's a lot of challenges in the private sector as well. Well, this, of course, is a political issue. Nationally, Democrats are planning to make health care a major issue in 2020, having seen it as a winning formula in 2018. Ashley, how did Democrats and Republicans in Georgia respectively greet this report? Pretty much on partisan lines, uh, largely Democrats favor uh, wide standard Medicaid expansion. Um, and as, as many people know, Georgia was not a Medicaid expansion state. Um, and Republicans generally are against the standard Medicaid expansion uh, process. And so Kemp and his administration are focused on how to bring more federal dollars into the state um, without doing the full standard Medicaid expansion. What do these numbers mean for Governor Kemp's plan? Is it going to be possible to move forward for only limited expansion of Medicaid when we're looking at these kind of, you know, as the, as the headline said, it's a wake-up call, daunting, you know, pretty shocking. It is, yeah. I mean, I think, you know, the, the opponents of Kemp's plan have argued that the reduced Medicaid expansion, which would only cover people up to 100% of the federal poverty level, in contrast to the full Medicaid expansion, which is 138% of the federal poverty level, um, would actually um, be counterproductive in many ways, that it would uh, cost more and cover fewer people. We did notice on every single page of the report for discussion purposes only. So did Deloitte offer any ideas for how to remedy this? Well, there are uh, several different uh, uh, waiver procedures that could come into play here. Um, so Medicaid expansion, kind of a modified Medicaid expansion might be one aspect of the plan. Um, another aspect is kind of Andy alluded to, there may be some proposed changes to the health exchange under the ACA at the state level to try to motivate people to uh, join the health care exchange and access health insurance that way. So potentially some incentives. Um, Kemp has also alluded to potentially introducing some work requirements for Medicaid recipients. Um, so there are a range of proposals that might be um, available to them. Andy, what are you watching here? Well, I, I think that uh, it'll be interesting to see if we do the more limited Medicaid expansion, how many people will pick up insurance. Uh, it's estimated that there's well over 400,000 uninsured Georgians who would fall under the poverty line who would potentially get coverage. Uh, and you know, any kind of expansion would help our uninsured numbers go down. I mean, our uninsured numbers are across the board in terms of age groups. We have a higher rate of children without coverage, uh, young adults as well as uh, older adults. So that will be an interesting thing to watch. I want to thank you, Annie Miller, CEO and editor of Georgia Health News, and Ashley Owen-Smith. Thanks so much for speaking with us. Thank Thanks you. Thanks for having me.